along with Joey V, making sure that everything uh, comes your way just the way it should here on News Talk STL this morning. From 6 to 9, we'll be with you all morning, as we are every Saturday. 101-9941-991 HD3, NewstalkSTL.com. Of course, the apps, both iOS and Android. I love listening to the station on the app when I can't hear it on the on the radio. And, of course, the Alexa skill, if you do that. Joey, welcome to the program. Thanks for being on this morning and helping. Uh, this, you know, the, her, being on with me is like herding cats. Did they warn you? You know what? I didn't even get any warnings about you. Everyone said that you were amazing and the nicest guy yeah, that well. even works here. Yeah, well, that's because I pay him a lot to say that. I like hey, that. Uh, well, you're uh, you're pinch hitting for uh, Max Voise, of course, who um, is our resident. Uh, let's just say the media critic and uh, exposer of all things in the media. And boy, it's been such a timely uh, time to have him on because of uh, the Alec Baldwin thing on the set of Rust. And, and he's on a uh, on a secret junket. Well, I don't know how secret it is, but a secret junket out to Hollywood. So we're connecting with him right off the bat this morning. Max, how you doing, buddy? Uh, well, Randy, I'm doing fantastic. And let me tell you, my thanks also to Joey V for filling in for me and also hearing that theme was fantastic this morning. Yeah, it's a great way to start off a Saturday morning, especially in a crisp fall morning like this. Now, uh, are you allowed to, you know, I know that you guys uh, in the in the critic world, you know, are often on missions that, you know, they don't, you don't really want to talk about a lot until you've had a chance to digest what happened and then share it with the audience. Can you, can you give us a little preview, a little insider on what's going on with your trip to, uh, you're in Hollywood? Uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, be uh, flying up to Beverly Hills here. I actually bored in about four minutes, so this is perfect timing uh, to do this hit. And let me tell you, before I tell you about the screening, there's nothing better for people watching than going to the airport. I have seen uh, <laughs> many people enjoying their adult beverages here at 6 o'clock in the morning, which is quite a way to kick off a Saturday. But no, um, thanks to my pals at Netflix, they are sending me up to Beverly Hills today to attend a screening of an award season contender that is a very strange name. It's called The Power of the Dog. It's based on a best-selling book. Jane Campion is the writer-director. She did The Piano about, what, 30 years ago. Great, great movie. And basically what this means is I'll be... Uh, meeting a whole bunch of other critics from around uh, the globe, really, and uh, hanging out with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. 
That is very cool. So now, do they wine and dine you and try to sway the way you're going to write your, uh, you know, your review of the of the movie? I mean, I would think that uh, that's that's hard to stay objective when you're going to Beverly Hills, and certainly you're going to have more than just a a Coke and a hamburger. I would think. I mean, I mean, boy, they try. I mean, I've I've done a lot of these <laughs> over the years for for some movies that I've I've absolutely loved and I've raved about when I've gotten back because they do wine and dine you. They do say, oh look, here here's a giant party with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Why not? Uh, but there's been some other movies I haven't liked too, uh, too well, and I've definitely said, you know what, skip this one. And I think that uh, they know that us critics have to have that integrity. We can't just come back and love everything because they bought me a coke. You know what I mean? I, I hear you. Now, you did mention Robert De Niro, and you know uh, our deceased great uh, commentator, uh, Charles Krautheimer, used to say that all things ultimately are political. And uh, it was funny when yeah. the media didn't say a thing about when De Niro said F Trump, but they're all over the fact with this let's go Brandon thing, how insulting that is to Joe Biden. If you see uh, if you see De Niro out there, would you please ask him You know how he feels about let's go Brandon? I will also let you know how many people that I hear say let's go Brandon, because I imagine I might overhear that. I don't know in Beverly Hills. I don't know. They're pretty woke over there. But I can't, again, <laughs> well, I don't know. You know that's uh, I that's that's a our lot of mission. That just don't let their yeah. I I I just think there's a lot of secret conservatives out there. So I'll try to weed them out if I can. <laughs> Hey, let's let's do a hit. Let's do a piece on secret conservatives because I think there's increasingly less secret and more uh, boastful conservatives in the right kind of way. I mean, they're they're less uh, they're coming out, if you will. And we see more and more of that. So uh, I think we'll have to touch right. on that when you return. Right. And as well, we'll have to hear about the review of the power of the dog. Now, we don't want to want you to miss your uh, your boarding time. You might end up uh, hanging on the uh, on the landing gear like one of those uh, those Afghani's trying to escape during the it, withdrawal. It so we don't want you to end up yeah. in that plight. <laughs> it does say that I'm boarding in one minute. So, Doctor, thank you so much for uh, for, for doing the show today. I know it's going to be great, Joey V. Thank you for filling in for me, and I'll be with you next Saturday. All right, safe travels, and thanks for setting up a right. fabulous show. And Max did set up a great, great show this morning. We have a, a just a, a bunch of guests covering a real broad uh, tapestry of topics for you guys this morning. Carrie Lucas will be joining us uh, in the 7 o'clock hour to talk about uh, what, how your kids are going to be indoctrinated, not if but when uh, universal pre-K uh, comes into place. It may not get entirely across the finish line with this uh, reconciliation spend and tax-a-palooza bill that they're working on, uh, it, but you know that it's coming. I mean, as the social um, safety net, as Ben Carson, Ben Carson stole something from me. I wanted to tweet out to him. He wrote an article, uh, and I've got it here somewhere in my pile of prep uh that um he, he said what america needs is a safety net not a hammock a social hammock well in fact uh, this uh, pre-k universal pre-k preschool is going to be coming your way and of course i guess that's fine if uh, if you're a, especially a single parent trying to you know hold down a job and take care of the kids too i get it i get that um but uh there are some hazards that come with that and that is uh political cultural indoctrination indoctrination of your children and we're going to talk with carrie about that dakota Wood, of course, our resident expert on uh, all things military, a great strategist, a, uh, a Marine himself, a retired Marine, and uh, was always was in the inner workings of the strategic planning elements of uh, the Marine Corps and the Defense Department, and now he's with Heritage, and he joins us from time to time. Heritage has just come out with its... Uh, 
with its uh, review, an annual military review, and just looking at some of the graphics on that report, and it's a lengthy one, but even the executive uh, summary is a little frightening. No, it's a lot frightening because our readiness is not where I think anyone listening this morning would like it to be, except those who would like to be pacifists and uh, isolationists and wait for the missiles to come across our border and then try to strike them down. Virginia Cruda will do her uh, regular appearance with us, and I've got a lot to talk with her about because uh, she, uh, she's she been writing prolifically on things that are in the news, uh, wrote a great piece uh, that I caught that I thought I, I do want to touch with her about James Carville and the way Democrats are beginning to have some introspection, a little self-awareness after the thumping they took in Tuesday's election. That was a resounding thump, wasn't it? We'll talk with Virginia about that and other matters. And then Adam Rizzieri about uh, what happened to Donald Trump's truth social network. Uh, It got into a little trouble, perhaps, with not paying some vendors we heard earlier. They were supposed to launch this month. We'll see where that is with Adam Rizzieri, a PR expert. And then Mark Milkey is a a Canadian who writes a lot about... uh, things cultural and it happens in canada it happens in the u.s he's written a new book called victim cult we'll talk with him about that and of course i want to talk with you all morning too 314-912-1019 314-912-1019 but before we do that we have to learn a little bit about joey v hey i'm right so joey here. yeah you're right there and uh, you are a native st louis and you were telling me right yes sir so I have to ask you, obviously, the, the, the mandatory, obligatory question, where did you go to high school? Must know. Went to Hazelwood West, grew up in North County my whole life, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm a South County, and so there we go. We're uh, in the opposite ends of the globe in St. Louis. But uh, I think uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between the Hazelwoods and the Lindberghs of the world, you know, in terms of size and scope of those uh, institutions. Now, you being a few years younger than me, was, uh, was cultural... Um, uh, indoctrination, cultural education, character building. I remember when I was, uh, oh gosh, uh, t- what, 12, 15 years ago, just uh, being on a school board in the local, uh, the local school district here near the lair. Uh, lots of character training and things that were not reading, writing, arithmetic, STEM kind of stuff. When During your education, was that part of the shtick or not? You know, it's been so long, I can't remember. I do remember, you know, there being... Words of the month, you know, where it's supposed to be, you know, honesty or these different yeah. traits that they kind of focus on. But I can't remember it being uh, too over the head that I was beaten with it. Yeah. Character Plus. That's what the program was called. And every mm-hmm. every w- month, I remember there was a Character Plus star who uh, got uh, his or her picture in the uh, in the trophy case there. You know, and that was interesting. But I think that's the way a lot of education is going. And of course, parents spoke out loudly in Virginia and not only parents from the right, but also parents from the center and the left. It seems to be something that really has unified Americans and came out of nowhere uh, in this last election cycle. Are, are people uh, talking about that around your you know coffee table at the coffee shop or you know wherever you hang out you know i can't imagine anyone would want me at their coffee shop because it it makes me crazy i start chattering of the teeth and running around destroying stuff i just stay at home where it's safe with my girl and we watch movies on netflix so hopefully max brings back a good review of this new movie coming out but no i I can't (laughs) say that i'm too on top of that stuff 
Yeah. Well, the uh, the Netflix uh, craze has been one that um, has certainly been. I, I'm glad that a Netflix flicks and b Zoom were around during the pandemic because that made it all tolerable, even though it took us away from our personal experiences at, at concert venues and sports venues and so forth. Which I think there's nothing, and even the big screen, there's nothing like seeing the show at the big screen. But it certainly made it a lot easier. Can you imagine if pandemic would have happened? What? 15, 20 years ago without without that? I mean, you'd have to go to Blockbuster and rent the VCR. Well, I don't know. Maybe Netflix has been long, longer than that, but I remember those days. Uh, that would have not been near as accommodating had, uh, had we not had the technology. Yeah, high-speed internet has saved all of our lives. I even switched my internet to get even more speed during the pandemic. Save some money, yeah, get so more speed, yep. So being a, being obviously a tech and broadcast and media guru like you are, I, that's clear to me in the ten in the what twelve fifteen minutes we've worked together. Um, I I sometimes have these uh, I don't know why I get these nihilistic thoughts in my mind, but it is so cool to be able to you know people can well I do the show remotely most of the time not all the time but most of the time uh, and at the same time I can monitor uh, the big uh, TV screen in the back and I've got my my laptop and there's plenty of uh, bandwidth to do all that. Do you th- is will the will the bandwidth and the, the the size of the pipeline be able to accommodate our ever increasing digital and yes wireless world? I always worry that that's not going to be able to keep up with the demand. And is that a worry that's not founded? You know, I, I I always hear about you know blackouts and being attacked on the grid and stuff like that. And it seems like if the internet goes down, we're just one step away from eating each other. So it's something I think about a little bit, but then it scares me too much. I kind of back off and go back to playing video games or something. Yeah, well, when it goes off, that's one thing. But I'm just worried about there being enough capacity to handle all of the demand as everything becomes streaming you know like people are are getting rid of their in fact that's a big debate in our house should we get rid of the satellite network and go to oh what is it fubo or youtube or hulu or well those just stream everything but that takes an enormous amount of bandwidth to do that what if everyone does that will there will there be enough bandwidth Exactly. Everyone talks to uh, each other about cord cutting, but you as a doctor, you probably think, you know, everyone's having babies or something. But yeah, they're trying to cut the cord so that the uh, the TV providers can't control them, but then they end up paying the same price in this cord cutting app system anyway. So, Well, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, and that's the interesting thing. Another, yep. Yeah, my uh, my daughter. Uh, she's uh, we're having a little hunting weekend here. I like to bow hunt. We're doing some hunting here this weekend. My daughter and the grandkids are up and she's scolding my wife and I it's like uh, mom dad what is this with Dish Network or DirecTV I don't know which one we have well, well you guys are back in the stone age why don't you get YouTube I said well, wait a minute YouTube is censoring people demonetizing uh, you know platforms uh, Steven Crowder you know was demonetized I don't know if he still is I'm not, I don't know if I want to patronize that I think there need to be there needs to be some uh, truly open non-censoring platform for streaming media maybe you and i should start that enterprise what do you say i think it could work we'll just charge as much money as we can to stay you know on vacation the whole time and we'll be good (laughs) and well maybe max can recruit some of those uh, closet conservatives out in beverly hills and see if maybe we could get some investors and we'll start a production company called like uh i don't know streaming truth or something of course, that we're going to talk about truth and uh, Trump social media a little bit later. I don't know whether that's going to get off of the ground. And that's the other thing. When it comes to people that want to start up in tech, it seems like the tech giants control the, what's the word, the infrastructure. 
So it's hard for anyone to compete with the YouTube or the, you know, any of the any of those streaming services that already have that. Or how do you start a new Facebook when the servers are all run by, I get what Amazon runs more than. Well, the vast majority of all of the servers in the world, and so if they decide that you're not appropriate, then you can't even get started. Like that happened to Parler, remember? Yeah, of course. I, I don't know what would happen if you know these Amazon Web Services (AWS) when that goes down. It's like half the internet goes down. So it's, yeah. it's kind of so scary. You, I mean, you do control. That's uh, you do a lot of that by day, right? A lot of working with uh, you know with media and helping people do that kind of stuff, right? A little bit. I like to help people create whatever content. Usually, I'll get the video camera out, or we'll create a podcast and uh, get their message yeah. out, make it so they're easily uh, searched when they when people Google them. I never knew that Amazon Web Services <clears throat> was such a thing because I mean, I, whenever I've done anything, I either I log on to an internet service provider or I click on a browser amazon is like the the web services are sort of like the foundation right they're the infrastructure the framework upon which all these things are built is that right yeah i think amazon makes most of their money from people using their cloud they've got all these server warehouses all over the world and people are just paying huh. for a little bit of retail space to be in uh, their cloud. wow do you do you contract directly with amazon web services or, or is someone is there a middleman there that you contract with when you're using those servers. You know, I'm not too sure. I bet you. Yeah. Maybe you go straight through Amazon Web Services. Yeah. 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 And I thought it was all my Prime account that was keeping Jeff Bezos in space with the penis-shaped rocket ship. I don't know. Blue Origin. Oh, yeah. What a beauty. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> okay, whatever you say. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a Gemini guy myself. Uh, give me give me Apollo. <laughs> the right stuff. 314-914-912-1019. Uh, 1019-941 or 991-HD3 on your regular old radio, com or the iOS or Android apps, apps. Hey, hey, don't forget, I understand there still are a few tickets almost uh, getting close to sold out land, but not yet uh, quite there, but I imagine it will be a full house come this Wednesday evening <clears throat> when Douglas Murray comes to town. And of course, he is uh, he's a commentator from across the pond who I always like to hear from because why he has a more objective, a more detached view, uh, sort of like when, uh, you know, de Tocqueville uh, visited America. Adam Smith, you know, I mean, uh, we. Uh, but when people from abroad evaluate you, and it's always good to have that third-party consultant come out from outside the company and say, hey, did you know, compared with other people doing what you do, you're not doing this, you could do this better, oh, you're doing this better than them, do more of it. It's always good to have that third-party view. Well, Douglas Murray will be coming to town. <clears throat> Reflections on the Revolution in America, and this is an outsider's perspective in the United States, brought to you by the Show Me Opportunity, uh, the Show Me Institute, uh, National Review Institute, and of course, News Talk STL. Uh, he'll be here this coming Wednesday, 5.30 to 7, and the tickets are free out there. Uh, you'll be able to uh, come out and see Douglas and many of us here on the station. I plan on being there. I'm going to drag my wife kicking and screaming because uh, she's uh, she knows I love the politics. She loves it, too, monitors the show, um, but um, we're going to bring her as well. Because she says, now, you know, all the way there and all the way back, you're going to be talking politics. I said, yeah, no, it's great. It's like the Super Bowl, isn't it? Well, if you like political Super Bowl, come out and see Douglas Murray this week. Log on to NewstalkSTL.com and get your free event tickets. When we come back, we'll take some of your calls. What do you think about the vaccine mandate? Are you unvaccinated at a workplace more than 100, maybe at a hospital, a healthcare facility, and the coming mandate due January 4th, you have to be fully vaccinated or else? 
else. Will you comply? Do you know someone who won't comply? Do you know employers who are fretting over what will happen? Give me a buzz. 314-912-1019. Let's talk about it. Truth Warrior. Woke Destroyer. On News Talk STL. Well, the law an act in OSHA provides us the opportunity to, to put this law in place, this emergency temporary standard. Uh, you know, th- this is not done lightly. Uh, lots of conversation, lots of thought on it. Uh, I heard your previous segment, and I listened to, to folks' concern about about being vaccinated. And quite honestly, what we want to do here, I know you didn't ask me this, and we'll get into it, but what we want to do here is provide a safe workplace for coworkers and for people going into work. And what, what, what this rule does, what this emergency temporary standard does is pretty simple. It, it asks employers to have their employees vaccinated, and if their employees don't want to get vaccinated, they get tested once a week, and when they're in work, they wear a mask. Well, there is Labor Secretary Marty Walsh um, telling us that uh, he's going to make sure that we have a, a safe workplace, right? Um, and I, 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 there's so much wrong with that. Uh, if you'll mute the uh, duo there, Joey, uh, welcome back to the program, folks. Uh, there's so much wrong with Marty Walsh's talk, and that is that if we're going to have a safe workplace in COVID Delta land, we have a problem because he's going to have unvaccinated people get tested and wearing a mask. And remember, the whole premise here is to have a safe workplace. Well, if that's the premise, and we know that even vaccinated people can transmit the disease, albeit probably in lower amounts because they harbor less, because they're less infected, um, then we have to, I think, be logically accurate. We have to be intellectually credible. And Marty Walsh, had he been interviewed by an honest reporter, would have said, but uh, Secretary Walsh, don't vaccinated people uh, spread the virus too? Shouldn't they be masked too? If your interest is in a safe workplace and a safe place for patrons, where there may be, if it's a retail outlet, for instance. Um, And so there's so much that's just political and not scientific and medical about this. Not to mention the fact that we're now at a point where in many places, most places around the country, not all, but most places around the country, the Delta variant is ebbing. It is not flowing. We don't know if something new is going to rear its ugly head come, you know, colder and more closed-in spaces when people congregate together more come the wintertime. But, um, but certainly, it's just rubbing salt in the wound of an already bitter uh, and hurting at the neck because of the boots of the government on the neck, American populace. Uh, we saw a pushback, a big pushback on Tuesday. And, of course, it was on the education front. But it was basically a don't period, tread period, on period, us period moment uh, from those people in Virginia who the mama and papa bears were saying enough. We do, Terry McAuliffe, have a right to say what our children will be taught and what they won't be taught. We do have a right to be concerned about the skyrocketing cost of everything from gasoline to bacon. Uh, You know, those very staples that we need, the commodities that fuel our cars fuel our economy and yes fuel our lives and it was it was so refreshing to see what happened on tuesday and i think that uh, the pushback on this vaccine as we see more and more employees decide to jump off or more employers forced to 
to uh, to release employees, especially in the healthcare sector. And that, of course, is near and dear to my heart. Um, you might recall that a few weeks ago, CNN aired a piece that they did on uh, the rural community and the hospital in which I lead and work at. And I have to tell you, it'll be uh, it'll be crunch time because uh, the first vaccine is due uh, by December fifth. And the second vaccine by January 4th. And if you're not vaccinated, uh, the first vaccine uh, or by the second vaccine of either one of those cases, you are out as a healthcare worker. You're, you, you cannot be, uh, you know, and, and if you're an operation running that, we don't know what the what the penalties will be. It'll be a survey enforcement. Now, the, the state does a survey on behalf of Centers for Medicare Services uh, for licensure in most uh, places. Uh, sometimes that's delegated to an accrediting organization called the Joint Commission or uh, others like it. There's two or three of them that uh, are, are qualified to do it. And they can come in and shut you down. I mean, they can basically say, hey, you have, they will be able to look at a roster, just as OSHA will be able to do, look at a roster of vaccination status. Uh, and if for the unvaccinated in non-healthcare settings, are these people being tested? Let me see the papers, please. Can I see the papers? Uh, have you been vaccinated? Oh, I see that uh, Hans there at the uh, at the uh, the machine press. Oh, he has not been vaccinated. What was his last test result? I mean, this is going to be um, unbelievable. This is going to be. I think the images that you're going to see on cell phones when OSHA comes streaming into companies is going to be um, something that will, I think, shock Americans when they see this. Remember the Gibson guitar story of a few years ago when they came in and they were uh, they raided the Gibson guitar fa- I think it was the Gibson guitar factory um, because they were looking for uh, I guess some kind of illegal hardwoods that had been brought in from Brazil and then I remember and it was it was really eerily frightening as to how what the government can do to intrude in your life at the same time that we see this stark contrast of people streaming across the border of people being given an open door and now people who broke the law during donald trump's administration with their children and were separated frankly i don't know whether that's a bad thing uh, being separated from parents who you know send the message that wink wink it's okay to it's okay to break the law um i don't know is that analogous to parents who are mixing meth in the back of their trailer uh and the kids get taken from them maybe not to the same degree but it sends the same message from where randy tobler idealist stands i mean what's good for goose is good for gander right uh, law-breaking parents uh, and should not be able to have an influence on their children to the extent it teaches them to be lawbreakers at least that's my opinion at any rate uh this uh, this vaccine mandate is going to be interesting on another COVID-19 news front, though, great, great news from Pfizer. Now, small study, initial study, an interest-conflicted study, right? Because Pfizer reports the study that says that 90% effectiveness of what amounts to a Tamiflu-like uh, medicine uh, that could be used uh, in the early for mild cases of COVID before they pro- progress to severe uh, cases resulting in hospitalization and death. That came out late this week. And as many have said, including Scott Gottlieb, a former FDA commissioner, uh, and others, hey, this could be a game changer. This could really be a game changer. And I am hoping that, in fact, uh, this does turn out to be something absolutely spectacular. And uh, look, between the vaccine, which I think remains a very important 
foundational tool in the battle against COVID, especially in high-risk groups. And you may be surprised who's high-risk. It can be all the way from that 5 to 11-year-old who now can get the Pfizer vaccine and who maybe has a an inborn error in, in, their, uh, in their metabolic functions. Maybe they have an, uh, an immune deficiency that is a, uh, you know, an inborn congenital problem. Uh, perhaps they have an acquired immune deficiency. They've undergone cancer treatment, as so many children do here at St. Louis Children's Hospital uh, or Cardinal Glennon or the great uh, children's hospitals around the, the world. And then, of course, they are uh, vulnerable. These are the kids that the vast majority of children that have been hospitalized, whether it's in the Alpha variant, the Delta variant, uh, these are the kids that are like the adults that are most vulnerable those who have other conditions the the level of the condition to which you are makes you susceptible though to covid uh that threshold goes down as you get older so the older you are the less of a comorbidity does it take to make you vulnerable and therefore i think a good idea for vaccine so uh, my take as i told neil cavuto last saturday yes the second appearance on neil cavuto in less than a month i it's Joey, it's on everyone's bucket list to be on Cavuto Live. What can you say? To be a, to be a talking head on Fox News. I was that last Saturday. It was really fun. i got to set my um, DVR more often for Cavuto. I'm well, sorry. I know. Well, you know, I don't know. I was going to send you a message, but I figured, I don't know. You were busy producing a podcast. That's okay. I didn't want to get in the way of progress. Um, but uh, But I told Neil, we talked about that, and I said, Neil, look. I think pediatricians and, and, and parents should talk, especially if they have healthy, vigorous, vital, you know, nine-year-old that isn't obese, that doesn't have asthma, that doesn't have anything underlying. Are they at a, a, an infinitesimally small risk of COVID? Yes. Are there other reasons they may want to consider it? Those other reasons are more social. And, you know, just like we teach our kids, this is now this is an interesting thing. And I want your opinion on this, ladies and gentlemen. 314-912-1019. There is an argument to be made among caring conservatives. I, I think of George W. Bush's now maligned mantra of compassionate conservatism, which turned into just a slower expansion of the welfare state than, uh, than the progressives had and want. Uh, but if we as conservatives in the Judeo-Christian uh, tradition believe that it is proper to take care of one's brother and sister i for one think that there's so much validity to that not only from biblical but from a political perspective we're always much better if we can depend on if we need help our friends our family our church our synagogue our our, our community organization if you're a secular non-religious person um before you depend on the government because with the government when you depend on them strings come attached witness the vaccine mandate <laughs> Free vaccines for everyone. And now it's, you must take the free vaccine. And next it'll be, uh, you must take the, uh, we're going to monitor what goes in. Your Apple Watch is, your watch that we're going to give you from the government is going to monitor the RF frequency of the paper wrapping on everything you eat. And it's going to shut you off from access at your local food store from any further uh, carbohydrates if your macro count has gone too far. So, and again, but I digress. The reason I, I always believe that we are, bound to seek help from an arm's length relationship as close as we can to those who love us and know us and similarly i think we are wise to give help to those at arm's length and be discerning about what we give and not uh, enable malevolent or malficent behavior right and that's just a philosophical thing but there is that cultural social obligation to look after one another
I mean, I think of Hillary Clinton. It takes a village. There's a there's a there's a, a kernel of truth to that. It wasn't it wasn't just the teacher in school that helped raise you or or is helping raise your child in terms of teaching them read and write and arithmetic. Hopefully, that's what your teachers are doing, not teaching them critical race therapy theory in 1619. It took uh, it took the moms and dads at the the Girl Scouts and the you know the brownies and the and the Tiger Cubs and the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and and the study groups uh, working together and maybe an adult uh, who uh, happened to have some expertise helping them and, and in the same way I think that um, our children are taught we teach them don't we to share early on because people don't the kids don't come out of the birth canal wanting to share. <laughs> I mean, I got a little two and a half year old granddaughter. I can tell you that she's very good at that. But sometimes when she gets a wild hair to desperately hold on to something she sees as hers or take it from her eight month old sister, by golly, she's going to do it. But teaching children to think of others to share is the beginning of civility and social connectedness and responsibility for one and one's community and one's nation and one's family. And and you could make the argument that vaccinating children, especially as the safety profile increases, and it will, uh, they have cut the, the dose down for the 5 to 11s from the, the 12 and above dose to a third, and still as efficacious. I've read the FDA brief that uh, Pfizer submitted, uh, and it, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, it's good stuff. Small numbers, about 3,000 children received the vaccine. No serious adverse side effects. There was one in a child that already had low white counts, and the white counts went lower. The kid got a high fever, didn't get the second shot, and there were no further adverse, you know, events, uh, life-threatening or, or worse events, uh, or, or you know, serious events. But you could make the argument that as that safety profile increases, not only should high-risk children receive it, but what if they live with mom or dad or grandma and or grandpa who are obese? diabetic, um, maybe have a little touch of congestive heart failure, have uh, uh, diabetes, have serious kidney problem. Maybe grandma has had a liver transplant and is on immunosuppressant drugs. Is it not at least something that we should think about to protect grandma and grandpa and mom and dad by giving the child a vaccine? And, and, And I think teaching the child that the, the whole concept of, yeah, you had a little fever and you had a little pain where you got injected, but guess what? Grandma and Grandpa are safe now because you got vaccinated. I guess safer would be the right word. Not 100% safe, but if the child is vaccinated, less likely to get infected uh, and will have lower levels of virus if they do get infected. You could make the argument, I think, a, a sound, socially responsible argument that, um, again, as the safety profile increases, a good idea and maybe a teaching moment uh, for our children and our families. Is that, am I, I can hear people out there now i can hear the anti-vaxxers joey saying randy you're you're gonna sacrifice your child these are our precious children well ladies and gentlemen would i would i advise something that i thought was existentially harmful for children of course not of course not but i think that as we get we have vaccinated kids against hepatitis against rubella measles mumps pertussis diphtheria tetanus uh now uh, uh chicken pox where, do, where does it stop and it not only protects them but it protects others 
So um, I just want you to consider that and think about the totality of what the vaccine does. Um, so, Joey, if you had a you, you have no children yet, right? I do not. Just a beautiful little baby cat. A baby cat. Well, yeah. OK. If cats could spread. OK, we'll take your cat. Because they have found, by the way, COVID in the deer population. Did you know that? They're finding it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I they keep what... people away from the animals at the zoo sometimes, too. Like the, the cats at the, yeah. the, big, yeah. the big cats over there. Right. So I think, boy, if ele- elephants got it, you know how elephants occasionally will take and do the water and spray it all over the crowd. It's like, so is, a, is an elephant sighting at the zoo now a super spreader event? I, I don't know. I'm just thinking. But if, if cats harbored COVID and could transmit it, and let's say you and, uh, you know, your, your SO uh, lived with, you know, an elderly at-risk person and a vaccine came. Well, there is feline distemper. There are, you know, cats do get vaccinated. I don't know if you vax yours, but um, and there was a vaccine for COVID and there was a one in a million chance or a one in a hundred thousand chance that the cat could suffer a grave event. But in exchange for that. You could protect that elderly at-risk person from getting COVID. What would you do? Joey V on the spot today on the Randy Tobler Show. Definitely have to protect grandma, right? Make sure she's okay. Even if it meant taking a eensy-weensy puny risk for your precious cat. You know, maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. See, these are these are excess, these are these are the tough questions. So it's Saturday morning, and you got your cup of coffee, and I know you just want to have an omelet and that you know twisty cinnamon donut from Donut King down the street. Always one of my favorites, Donut King down the street. Um, what do you think, ladies and gentlemen? Is that being? Am I sounding like a socialist? Am I? Is, is it going to be Comrade Randy because he's talking about vaccines for the common good? 314-912-1019. And we'll talk a little bit more about that pill, by the way, too, because I think it's going to be revolutionary. And between vaccines, the monoclonal antibodies in- infusion, which have made a revolutionary change, uh, the Merck pill, the Pfizer pill, man, we are getting a quiver of arrows that that COVID-19 virus is going to just uh, wither against. They'll wither at the quiver. I think that's something. Maybe we should write that down. I'm Randy Tobler with you here on Newstalk STL. Newstalkstl.com, 1019-941-991 HD3. And if you're out hunting this morning, put in those earbuds. Listen to us on your iOS and Android app. 314-912-1019. Give me a buzz. Joey would be happy to take your call. Let's talk. This hour, the Randy Tobler Show is brought to you by the ClearPath Wealth Management Group at Stiefel. Request a free portfolio review at clearpathinvesting.com. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Welcome back to the program. Boy, it's nine till the hour. Where is the time going here in this first hour? We have a uh, roller coaster. I'm, you talk about strap yourselves in, folks, for the next couple of hours because uh, we have guests just like crazy over all the all the great topics you want to hear about uh, and um, want to take your calls whenever we can. We have Gino on the line now. How you doing, Gino? Thanks for calling. Hey, good morning, doctor. How are you this morning? Doing well. What's going on, my friend? I got a question for you on regards to slightly off topic. Um, how do physicians, and you know me, I'm a healthcare provider myself in a, one of the hospital systems here in town. 
Sure. How do doctors that are employed by those institutions justify your Hippocratic oath to do no harm when you have an opportunity to do off-label therapy? I'm talking about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, et cetera, for COVID. How do they justify that in their own minds? So what do you mean? Uh, when people are prescribing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, well, and, and well, specifically, say the hospital system has a rule: thou shalt not prescribe. Right, right. These drugs. And that's usually a medical staff issue. Usually, the medical staff gets into those issues uh, and and makes pronouncements that you know we will not do this. Our de- our department of internal medicine, our emergency department, will say that. Uh, we we've seen that at our own hospital. We've seen it at all hospitals. You know, a lot of places where uh, employed docs say want to give ivermectin, and uh, I think. Hospitals and medical staffs will have their own rules where they say, hey, you may do that. We, we, you know, we recommend against it. Others may say, if you do that, there will be sanctions and discipline. So I yeah. think it's, it's individual. Okay, I was just curious about that. So I tell you, though, I'm, I'm aware of cases where, um, and I won't say where, but I'm aware of cases where patients have been given ivermectin by doctors who believe that's the way to go and are sort of anti-vaxxers and are very suspicious of the treatments that um, I think, with, without a doubt, have shown strong scientific, you know, uh, they've undergone scientific scrutiny and have credence. Um, and, and I'm aware of those patients who have shown up at the hospital and been hospitalized. Now, would they have been hospitalized if they got an infusion instead of ivermectin? I don't know. <clears throat> the stance that I, as the leader at our hospital, take, as I've been on some of these med staff uh, discussions, um, is, look, if you want to give ivermectin and antiparasitic doses, by the way, it's much higher doses that if it works, seem to be effective in those poorly done studies. I will say that I've looked at the studies. They're not good studies. Okay. And it tends to be higher doses. So I, But look, there are good studies being done right now. And when those come out, if ivermectin works, I'll be the first to say, my God, let's get on the ivermectin bandwagon. I don't, not, but thus far, the studies that I've seen are just not well done studies in, in terms of the quality. Um, at any rate, what I tell people is, look, if you want to give something that has a very low uh, risk profile, which is ivermectin at anti-worm doses, anti-helminthic doses, and, and give the other treatment that has been proven to work well, I don't have a problem with that. If you give it in lieu of that, I personally have a problem with it. The med staff at our institution, for instance, has not um, made strict restrictions or invoke discipline if people prescribe ivermectin we've just tried to respect people's political i mean professional autonomy but i think you're right do no harm it is no harm if you give one treatment if you give laetrile for cancer remember when laetrile was fancy my grandma who had uh, small cell cancer of the lung that went to the brain in the 70s i remember she looked into laetrile and i was young in my biological training anticipating med school and i said look if you want to get laetrile that's fine but don't do it to the exclusion of mainstream therapy you know that's the problem that's an error of omission which can do harm in my opinion so yeah uh, maybe people disagree we'll see yeah i wasn't saying necessarily that that, that i'm an ivermectin proponent not at all and certainly you know i'm not in a position to prescribe and things like that i was just you know throwing that in there amongst the mix of using no you're uh, right where you see hydroxy used etc right 
Gene, it's a good it's a good question, and I got to run. We're up against a break. Thanks for calling and raising that. It is a good question. We use a lot of things that, that however, are well proven, time tested, safe, and effective. That are quote you know off label, meaning FDA hasn't indicated that yet. Anyway, we'll continue these discussions and more up next. Carrie Lucas and what they're going to do your children in universal pre K. Don't miss it. Top of the hour coming up on News Talk STL. Welcome home.